Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's another very snowy day here on the holodeck of the Enterprise. Uh, I am your host, uh, Rebecca Frost, joined by noted space show fan Carrie Jackson, Admiral Carrie Jackson. And joining us, um, he was free from his uh, engineering meeting, um, <laughs> Commander Robert Neal. Yes. Uh, thank you guys for joining me today. Well, so this is the end of season one that we're doing. This is it. This is season one. We're done. We're, we made it. Uh, we're right. talking about the last six episodes, which include the Arsenal of Freedom, Symbiosis, Skin of Evil, We'll Always Have Paris, Conspiracy, and The Neutral Zone. So uh, let's dive right on in because we've got six episodes to talk about. Um, the Arsenal of Freedom, the Enterprise encounters a long dead but technically uh, oh, <laughs> guys, I'm so discombobulated today. It just is what it is. Uh, the Enterprise encounters a planet long dead, but technical equipment still functions for the purpose of selling off its arsenal along with self-sufficiency. Um, uh, the, the, this episode, um, what do you mean uh, weapons manufacturers are selling to both sides? <laughs> no, that, that never happens. They only sell well, to on, the good guys. A weapons planet with a who, who could have predicted this? Yeah, yes. I thought that was really the best part of the episode was the pushy salesman. You know, that was. Um, so the Enterprise is ordered to the Lorenz system to investigate the disappearance of a light cruiser, the USS Drake. Um, the Drake was investigating why all intelligent life on the planet Minos, Minos, Minos. Okay. Nah. Uh, <laughs> had disappeared. Um, the people of Minos uh, were arms suppliers, and they had manufactured sophisticated and highly advanced weaponry, and no restrictions for which who they sold to. Um, the Drake was commanded by Paul Rice, who was a friend of Rikers at the Academy. Uh, Riker says that Rice was a risk taker, so good to know for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, the planet shows no signs of life, and yet the Enterprise encounters a message telling them to drink their Ovaltine. Uh, it, it is essentially a holographic image called the Peddler, um, and it's just an advertisement telling them to check out Minos. We've got weapons. Uh the away team led by commander Riker beams down to the planet which is heavily forested and then they are suddenly under attack from my favorite little weapon uh what oh my god what is it called echo papa 607 which if it's you, like it looks like a fishing lure it does look like a fishing lure um it, it is the the fun piece of trivia about this weapon that I think is the cutest little weapon, uh, okay. it was built by visual effects supervisor Dan Curry using an old legs pantyhose container and a discarded yes. shampoo bottle. I thought it looked like one of those <laughs> leg eggs. It, Le yes. Eggs. Le mm -hmm. Eggs, yes. <laughs> Uh, Riker comes across his old friend, Paul Rice, and Paul Rice is like, what's up, my old friend, Riker? And uh, Riker does one of the best moves I've ever seen of swinging his leg up on a rock to be more comfortable. And, uh, <laughs> and Riker is like, Hey, you're not my friend. And his holograph friend is like, I am your friend Riker. I'm, uh, yes. I'm totally your friend. <laughs> Honest. <laughs> I promise. Um, but then uh, his, the holograph picture of his friend rice converts into the echo Papa six Oh seven, the egg yeah. weapon. Riker, could you remind me of, of your mother's maiden name? <laughs> Riker. The fun thing was, what was the street um, you grew up on? Like, Tell me about your ship and your ship's compliment. He's like, I, I remembered this from like years ago. It's like, it's the lollipop. It's a good ship. And I just kept waiting for that line. I was like, yes. <laughs> that was good. I had to give points to Riker. You know, I'm not a Riker fan. I... I look for reasons to hate him. What do you mean him. you're not a Riker fan? <laughs> but I got to get, I know, I know. But I got to give him points for, for that. My own mom texted me this week with just this question, Riker, beard or no beard? No like beard. no other context. <laughs> just a question out of the blue <laughs> well, on a There's Tuesday. only one correct answer, and that's with beard. Yeah, I, I am a sucker for baby-faced Riker, though. Um, Anyway, so... Captain Picard, Dr. Crusher also being down to the planet, um, but they are also attacked. Dr. Crusher is seriously wounded, and they both fall into a deep cavern. Uh, Data and Yar can't find them. Um, oh, but Riker, he gets caught in this 
energy field that freezes him. Uh, so Data frees him from this frozen energy field. And uh, back on the Enterprise, the uh, the Enterprise comes under attack from a hidden object. Uh, Jordy is left in command for the first time in a crisis situation. Let's mm-hmm. see how our man handles that. And he has to deal with being under attack from these unknown weapon systems, and he can't beam up the away team as the shields and deflectors are up. And yeah, so, and everybody yeah, telling yeah, him what another to chief do. Engineer. Oh, get Logan this my time. biggest nightmare. And he's he's a bit of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> chief Engineer Logan, he's he's yes. the ranking officer, and he wants Jordy to relinquish command to him. And Jordy's like, "No, I can do this. But I I'm love in the fact Starfleet. That just like, I can do anything." Step in. Um, Turbo meanwhile, left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and season one is the the home yes, of the many, so many chief engineers, right? It's I mean, so how many, many have we had? We're up to five now, aren't we? I you know. Is it the defense against the dark arts position? The, the defense Enterprise? against dark matter. Be. <laughs> the. Uh... <laughs> Back on the planet, the trio is attacked by a new set of the Egg weapons, um, and they have learned from previous attacks and have improvised. They now have a deflector shield. Mm-hmm. And Data says that the new weapons are coming in at an interval of 12 minutes. Beverly has lost a lot of blood, and Picard is doing his best to, to keep her awake and keep and, her present. And not touch um, her wounds at all. And <laughs> ooh, do, uh, I, I don't want to get any blood on my uniform. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, back on the Enterprise, things are not going great. Um, Jordy, he fired phasers and photons, and he analyzed the attack paths of the hidden objects, but uh, it's all failing. Shields and backup systems are failing. Um, Jordy summons Logan to the bridge and orders the Enterprise to leave the planet at warp 5. He then orders a full stop after 28 seconds and tells Logan that he will command the saucer section, while Jordy will go back to the rescue Picard and the away team from the star drive section. So once again, we're separating the saucer and the base again making it <laughs> i called it i call it making is, the enterprise naked he, he's like but that's you're just in me. command um, and you can see logan just kind of go of the saucer section and logan's like what what <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Nope, i wanted the whole ship that, that chair looks so comfy <laughs> Uh, back on the planet, Picard has found the command unit of the entire planet's defense, defense system. Um, and the advertisement once again shows up and talks about the, how the, this computer is part is the perfect killing system. And the peddler thinks he is giving a demo to potential buyers. Uh, we also learn that the system is self-learning and can neutralize all surface and orbital threats. And so Picard figures out that the creators were wiped out once they turned the system on. Once again, the <laughs> well, dangers the of AI. Is, they're going yes, through this and, and uh, Kirsch is like, why not just shut it off? And Picard's like, is that possible? And she's like, is it a, it's a machine. And then Data's look like, yo, Doc, that's not cool. If you look very carefully, like because she's like, it's a machine, turn it off. It's like, <laughs> hey, maybe. Okay, I'm going to pretend she didn't say that. <laughs> you guys know where my secret, my secret maybe. button is. This is making me uncomfortable. Yeah, maybe, maybe don't just go around saying machines could be turned off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Data, Yar, and Riker find Picard and uh, Beverly. Um, they all rendezvous and tell each other about the very, what they have learned. Um, Picard tells the peddler that he has convinced him and that he will buy the unit and asks him to shut down the system, which he does. Meanwhile, Jordy takes the Enterprise into the atmosphere and they locate the away team. The plan works. Uh, Worf destroys the unit with phasers. And uh, Picard drops this great line because Jordy tries to relinquish control back to Picard. And Picard's like, uh, Mr. LaForge, I believe I left you the Enterprise in one piece. I would appreciate it if you returned it to me in the same way. <laughs> and so Jordy gets to command the Enterprise back to the saucer section, which I thought was just really cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, some... Uh, another piece of trivia about this episode, the sand in the cavern was infested with fleas, which made the shoot an utterly miserable experience for Patrick Stewart and Gates McFadden, Ooh. who were under constant attack by the minute, bloodthirsty That's creatures. Wow. No wonder he seemed so irritable. <laughs> he, was kinda, he was kind of extra pissy in that episode, he wasn't was. he? Yeah, he wasn't treating... <laughs> yeah, he wasn't treating Beverly nicely as well, even though she's lying there bleeding, you know, and broken. He's like, she's, ah, it's, yeah, doing it's her very best. inconvenient for me, Dr. Crusher. <laughs> very inconvenient. Um, 
moving on to an episode that's extremely um it's a good example of the time period that it was made in symbiosis the enterprise encounters two neighboring cultures one suffering from a plague and the other marketing a cure and learns that nothing is as simple as it seems Mm -hmm. um this is this is the episode that was made you know reagan is pres reagan is president and he's pushing an anti-drug agenda we've got the dare program entering Mm -hmm. schools now and so this was made into what felt like an after-school special yeah, exactly so- <laughs> this, this is the nancy reagan just say no yeah yeah uh while observing a solar flare in the delos system the enterprise happens to pick up distress calls from a breaking down freighter it is an or not or and freighter named sanction captained by to john merit buttrick who we know him as david kirk's son mm-hmm. um and uh, so they try to pull the ship out of orbit with a tractor beam, can't maintain the beam due to the heavy interference of the solar flares. And they're trying to talk the captain through like basic repairs of his ship. And he is just not, not he's not, it's he, he's high. He's on the drugs. And so he he's can't high. carry out simple we're repair tasks we're just on like, his own we're ship. Gonna try and save you. Okay, well you tried, no. thanks. <laughs> um, sorry, my no, I loved I loved how stupid oh, yeah. that that they got as soon as they got their drug. They were just they were just damn like, stupid. Even the hippies in the original series were kind of competent, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like, these the guys are hippies, just yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the decision is made to beam over the crew since the freighter is soon to be just kablamo, and two of the six people aboard are killed as there's no time left to beam aboard properly because they sent the cargo first uh, <laughs> and the surviving crew members only seem to care for the, for the cargo. Um, in, introducing now in this part of the story, a complicated system. One planet is making this product. Uh, what's it called? Do, do, do for, for, Oh my God. Where's the word? Felicium. Felicium. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one planet is making the Felicium and this other planet is purchasing the Felicium. They were both under uh, attack. They were both under attack. Like we were under attack from COVID. They were both experiencing a plague and Felicium is the only cure for this plague. It is, um, we learned later, it is an addictive drug. And so the one planet mm-hmm. that is manufacturing it knows this uh, and they have eradicated the plague and also stopped the, their need for the Felicium. Other mm-hmm. planet, David's planet, loves the stuff, right? They need they uh, need the drugs and they're they they will buy it from the people supplying it and they will also build things and take care of the people supplying it. it. So they're it's not just money, it's it's yeah, them doing work for them, you know. Money please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I listen I'm not going to talk a whole lot more about this episode because I was so bored. Maybe it's just me and maybe it's because I do drugs, but I don't, I don't want the episode to tell me not to do drugs. Well, um, can we talk yeah, not about the drugs for a second then? Don't, don't lecture yeah. me, Nancy. Okay. So sure. yes, absolutely. You, you get, a couple of things out of this episode outside of the, you know, drugs are bad. Okay. Don't do drugs, but we get, uh, you know, these people that have taser hands and Riker cannot help but fall into a bubble or get tasered. and just has his stunned face, that little thing that he does. And it's just like, <laughs> if there's one thing about yeah, Riker, he's like, always okay, going to get caught so in this stunt. If anything's going right. to happen, it's going to, it's going to Riker, write it off. But, um, we also get the, uh, after school special of you know Yar and Wesley talking about well why would people do drugs and she's like well sometimes and you get the dot 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 and the greatest thing about this is he's like well I guess yeah. I don't understand mm-hmm. and Tasha's like I hope you never do and it's like this is the best foreshadowing ever because we know that like four seasons down the road Wesley gets addicted to this to the game and we're just like oh if only he'd listen to Tasha oh does he. Oh, that's but yeah. That's one coming other up. thing is that oh, this boy. planet did uh, revisit yeah. <laughs> in Lower Decks. It was a second contact, and um, it was in the episode "Trusted Sources." Oh, what? And when? Captain Freeman did not agree with what Picard did. She's like, "So let me get this straight. He just let them do the deal. He didn't try to save anybody, and was like, yeah, no.'" 
Yeah. Yeah. Because the prime directive said that we can't interfere. If this is if this is what y'all do, this is what y'all do. Good luck with that. I do. I do think it's kind of a dick move because essentially at the end of this episode, you know, they Picard refuses to give the ornarians the replacement parts for their fighters but without the fighters there will be no more shipments of the felicium so they are about to hit a cold turkey withdrawal of this of this drug and even beverly says hey they are going to suffer and picard's like shouldn't have done drugs (laughs) on to the next episode mr mr wharf you know uh yeah i'm I, oh, see now I, I got to go back yeah, and watch that. It was one of, the, one of the first yeah. couple know, of episodes. Right? Um, they, yeah, they reference it. And they're just like, oh, and, and I'd forgotten about that until I, I was looking through some trivia. They're just like, that's fun. Wow, <laughs> that's the thing about lower decks. decks. It's the gift that keeps on giving. As it's, I keep watching yes. all of these episodes, constantly. Um, Trivia for Symbiosis, Merritt Spetrick and Judson Scott had both appeared in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Kirk's son, David, and Khan's right-hand man, Joachim. Yes, who was the good-looking drug dealer. Yes. <laughs> the visual effect of the fluctuating force field around the Enterprise-D while near the star Delos was created using a bowling ball, which was trickled with salt. The salt bumping off of the bowling ball was used and squeezed during digital composition and turned upside down to give this effect. I just like seeing how visual effects were done. Um, This episode was an indictment of illegal drug addiction, especially given the country's mood at the time with President Ronald Reagan's anti-drug efforts and the D.A.R.E. program becoming prominent in schools. This episode was also almost prophetic in that some drug cartels evolved such a corporate structure and acted more like businessmen than criminals at the expense of drug users. <laughs> Big Pharma, am I right, mm-hmm. everybody? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then also, spoiler for the next episode, Skin of Evil, but as Captain Picard and Dr. Crusher walk out of the cargo bay at the end of the episode, Tasha waves goodbye in the background. This is because it was her final shot before leaving the show. Um even though uh, Skin of Evil was a- aired next, it would f- it was filmed earlier. Ah, oh, um, I see. Okay. But moving on to one of the most interesting and saddest episodes, Skin of Evil. Counselor Troy is held captive on a deserted planet by a slick, black, oily, sentient, and immortal puddle of evil. <laughs> uh, I'm a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, you know that Rick and Morty episode where um, they separate like all of their bad parts of themselves from the good parts and like there's evil Rick and evil Morty and they're just like green and goopy? <laughs> That's literally what this episode is. Yes. Uh, the Enterprise is going through the Zed Lapis sector to rendezvous with diana who is traveling on a shuttlecraft because she's returning from a conference and i am dying to know what this conference was what kind conference. of conference is diana troy attending some sort of psych <laughs> counselors <laughs> conference uh the shuttle is affected by a force of some kind and is now crashing towards the vagra 2 planet which is uninhabited um the shuttle's in touch with the enterprise but the enterprise can't get there quickly to help as the dilithium crystals are under maintenance and they are on impulse power only (laughs) oh Um, shucks (laughs) dang we'll get there in 10 minutes instead of two uh the Enterprise gets there and finds the shuttle under a lot of debris, and due to this, transportation is not possible. Uh, Worf is able to pick up faint life signals, but he's not so sure. Uh, they order an away team. The away team fe- features uh, Riker Medical Beverly. Emergency. Why? Oh, I guess because Diana. Oh, for the Diana for the crash. Hurt. Yeah, the people. <laughs> the <crash>. joy. <laughs> um, Riker, Beverly, Data, and Yar beam down. Um, but Counselor Troy is held captive on a deserted planet, uh, or she's held essentially captive under all of this debris and by this the the puddle of evil uh, called I'm a jerk. the slick the I'm a, slick I'm a, I don't like anybody the, <laughs> prevents the away team from reaching the shuttle um the slick is called armus and speaks to the away team about their analysis about it by taking a vague humanoid form uh if you've seen fern gully this is the bad guy from fern gully <laughs> well played <laughs> thank you <laughs> Yes. <laughs> uh, Yar tries to bypass Armus, but is thrown away by it and just immediately killed. Like, no fanfare, no kick ass no. fight scene, just 
defeated by yard, beaded by tar. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I killed your friend. Uh. The away team the away team beams back up. Uh and Dr. Crusher makes all the efforts possible to revive Yar, but she's not successful, and there was too much synaptic damage. Again, dying to know the logistics behind this because well, she, she really hit the mark. I mean, the mark goop. says it all. Um, she did have, <laughs> she did have one mark on her face. <laughs> but considering what happens in an episode later in this group of episodes, Both surely we could have done something else. Uh, <laughs> Bones would have put her in a pattern buffer, sure. or Scotty could have saved um, her. Meanwhile, the slick. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, the slick covers the shuttlecraft, and Deanna regains consciousness. She had felt Tasha die, and knows that the act of killing Tasha had no meaning for Armus. Uh, Deanna communicates with Armus and finds that Armus had a great need to make living things suffer, and he killed Yar for no reason at all, and wanted her to suffer more before she died. And his whole deal is he wants to break spirits of other living things. Um, this episode is a great example of why you should go to therapy because Deanna <laughs> starts talking to the slick, talking to Armus, and the more he, you know, expresses his feelings and experiences his feelings, it makes the, um, it, it makes it easier to, uh, to deal with him. Um, which if you would just do that in your everyday life in therapy and feel your feelings, um, things get a lot better. Anyway, uh, she figures out that Armus was left on the planet by some other beings and they never came back for him. Therefore, yeah. he is angry. He yeah. is also surprised <laughs> when Riker, Beverly, Data, and Jordy beam down to rescue Deanna. Armus tries to play with them and humiliate them, but they refuse to participate because that's just not the thing before they beam down. Picard makes Worf um, uh, acting chief security and his first act is to punk out of the weight team. And she's like, y'all going back down there? I'm out. Not me. Not the one. I could, I could work better for you. Uh, I got a comfy chair. I got to take care of shit up here. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's going to take over for me if I die down there? Hmm? Exactly. Just think about it. Um. Armus tells Deanna that the species that abandoned him had found a way to discard all that was evil and vile within them. Again, Rick and Morty episode. The yeah. process created the, the episode slick. of the original series with or, <laughs> And in time. From its good and bad, yes. Yes. Absolutely right. Um, the slick developed a second skin, which became Armus, and the species left Armus on the deserted planet as they had no need for it. Um, Armus slurps up Riker and threatens to kill everyone if any of them try to leave. And he's got goo in his beard. <laughs> well, well, he luckily he didn't have his beard yet. If you look at what he goes Deanna into the goo, it is a straight up carbonite maneuver because he, he goes down and comes back up. He's just kind of like, mm -hmm. like, oh, somebody watched the other star show. That's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Deanna can feel Riker's pain inside the goop, and uh, Picard finds out that Armus's energy field goes down whenever it's speaking to Deanna. So this this is what I'm talking about when you go to therapy. Your shields go down, right? Mm. Your metaphorical, emotional shields. Am I selling therapy to you guys yet? Um, oh, I've I've been a customer <laughs> for a long time. VR, though. I'm a, I almost own the company. That's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a very good salesperson. This is the best I can do. So. Picard now beams down because he's got to talk to this guy directly. And uh, Armus, fine, returns Riker because Picard refuses to negotiate. Picard's like, I need to see my people. Otherwise, we are leaving. And Armus is like, ugh, fine. And Riker comes back out of the goop. And I, when I tell you, I almost puked because it was just so mm, goopy. Uh. <laughs> And he wasn't cute anymore. He was covered with goop. Ugh, I don't yeah. like this one. Ugh. So, uh, Armus allows Data, Record, Jordy, and Beverly to leave, uh, but Picard stays. Armus tells Picard he will spare the lives in exchange for Picard giving him transportation to the destination of his choice. Picard engages with Armus and says that he believes Armus is not evil. Uh, because Picard is able to talk to Deanna, and Deanna's like, hey, if you let him talk about his feelings, uh, 
we can we can defeat him if you talk about your feelings and so picard pulls a chair up flips it around sits on it backwards and he's like what's up little fella and armis <laughs> is like mm, i'm but i'm mad and goopy uh and picard's like i don't think you're mad and goopy i think you <laughs> you're an unfortunate victim of circumstance it's true i misunderstood <laughs> it gets to a point where they, the energy fields are low enough that they can beam up Deanna and Picard, uh, which Picard <laughs> leaves with the biggest F you middle finger to this thing. Yep. Because this thing is like, I have been abandoned by the people who created me on this planet that has no life, and I am practically immortal. Like, this is a torturous life to live. And Picard's like, yep. And just <laughs> beams right on yeah, out. You killed, you killed, uh, you killed Tasha. Bye. Yeah. They destroy the shuttle that had crashed there. They declare Vega 2 off limits to prevent any possibility of Armas leaving the planet ever. And the IMDb synopsis is so hilarious because this is the last sentence. Tasha Yar is still dead. Yes. Well, they, I, you know, it's funny as I was watching that, I know this is the episode that they kill her. But at the same time, you keep kind of expecting, oh, wait, uh, you know, we, uh, we were able to save her. But no, they go mm -hmm. through a whole holodeck, you know, memorial. They have a whole memorial you know? service um, in the Windows XP background yes. with the green hills and the blue sky. And it was nice of her to write her eulogy before she beamed um, That was, that was, a, she. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, she had that ready to go, I like Tony Stark. I'm dead. Bye. Um, well, you remember Kirk also had his, so maybe this is a Starfleet thing. You, you have yeah. To have there's, it. I think if you know that your job is constantly putting you in danger, you kind of have to have one of these. She just, like, ready to Wesley. Go. Um, so I definitely started crying. Like, bridge crew, bridge crew, bridge crew. Oh yeah, the kid. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why was Wesley there? <laughs> I, I guess you have so. to update it every few months. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, and I guess Wesley. What happens? What Ooh. happens if you have like a falling out with somebody, and like, and also to so and so, <laughs> who is not present at all? But her her personal eulogy ends with hailing frequencies closed, sir. Oof. Right to the heart, you guys. Like, <laughs> God. Like at the there was the at the end of the Strange New Worlds season two premiere, um, they had that tribute to Nichelle Nichols at the end that said hailing frequencies forever open, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> yep. um anyway some trivia for skin of evil uh when Riker is sucked into the slick Jonathan Frakes was in fact submerged in a pool of Metamucil and printer's ink during a break in filming while Frakes was lying on the beach covered in sludge LeVar Burton approached him and said Frakes I never would have done that um another thing <laughs> this was uh, another crazy. Lower Decks reference These because ink. uh in I think season three nope season four of lower decks um tendy makes a a broadcast speech to armis just kind of mocking him so they go they reference uh, this planet again in lower decks which like you said is the gift that does keep on giving ah uh, see again uh, i gotta go back and watch go these back. episodes I... gotta go back Man. um in the original production order, we kind of talked about this already, Skin of Evil preceded Symbiosis. The order was changed because Denise Crosby had asked Gene Roddenberry if she could remain on the show for Symbiosis. She had gotten a hold of the script and thought it was interesting, so she asked for a character's death could be delayed for one more episode. Roddenberry granted her her request and had the airing orders of the two episodes switched so there would be no continuity issues. This explains why she's waving goodbye at the end of Symbiosis. Uh, and also, Denise Crosby has said that if she had more scenes like the one between Yar and Worf at the beginning of this episode, she would have more likely stayed with the series. Mm -hmm. And I don't blame her. There's a cute little interaction between Yar and Worf at the beginning of the episode where we actually get to experience some character development between the both of them. Exactly. And uh, I, like I said, re-watching this first season, because I haven't watched it since it was broadcast, I... You know, I never thought about Tashiara that much, but then mm -hmm. it, they kept dropping these little nuggets, and I'm like, oh, I want to know more about her, but no, she's going to die. So, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. But you know what they say, <laughs> we'll always have Paris, which is the next episode. <laughs> that we will be talking about a scientist's experiment in time goes awry reuniting picard with an old flame now married to the scientist 
Uh, the Enterprise follows an enigmatic trail of relay-based distress messages left behind by the vessel of a reputed time-space continuum researcher, Dr. Paul Mannheim, who dropped for out of sight years ago during his last experiment on non-linear time. His latest trial goes terribly wrong, causing a time-distorting ripple to spread from a binary star system of Vendor. One of the stars in the binary star system is a pulsar. This is all science stuff that I just... couldn't couldn't be me understanding science um as picard follows Mannheim's signals deanna senses picard is like weirdly super emotional about doc mr Mannheim in particular um and she even says something about it which can you imagine in the year 2024 a person noticing hey i've noticed you've had an emotional response to this thing maybe we should talk about that and your boss going yeah you're right let's talk about my emotional response to this unheard of (laughs) insane so turns out um jean-luc uh used to be engaged to Mannheim's now wife janice uh Mm -hmm. and (laughs) they were supposed to meet at a cafe in paris to run off an elope um but picard decided to pursue his career and he just never showed up coward rude rude ass Mm -hmm. uh it's one of the main reasons why picard is never married and doesn't have a family he still puns for janice um they beam up paul and janice and paul is he's convulsing and he's unable to talk and they are both being directly to sick bay um Mm -hmm. janice tells picard that paul tried for two years to find a system like this um to conduct his experiment um Again, a lot of sciencey stuff happens. When it comes to time travel and science, I can't be bothered, <laughs> honestly. Um, I think it's cool in concept, but try to explain it to me, and I don't. Well, uh, when we beam, when we beam the Mannheims into the sick bay, um, you know, and Picard's like, I'm going to go down there, and he walks into the sick bay, and he walks to the door, and Janice is like, Jean Luc, and Beverly gets the, what the actual, f- uh, like, who's this hoe? <laughs> there there is a there is a moment where picard is like she's just a friend and beverly's like i didn't ask (laughs) there's like some some like visible hostility there Uh, (laughs) keep away from run around jean-luc um the 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 results of this experiment that mr Mannheim has been doing has um created not time loops necessarily but duplicate time stamps in life happening ripples uh so we we get two rikers we get like three datas we get we get multiples of our friends Mm -hmm. and as they try to traverse the time dilution as well um uh paul gets better he's still in pain and his body is straddling two dimensions at the same time um Again, so much more science stuff happens. And yeah, he gives Data the solution to fix it. And Data's like, I'm going to go, I'll go, I'll go fix it. Um, and, and fixes it. And to- see that, and really the, 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 the time loopy stuff on this episode, I don't think is, is, is the important part. It's no, we're, we're learning about Jean-Luc Picard and how he's not just this starship captain, because that's all we know him as really is this by the book starship captain. Oh, he, he got around. He, uh, he, he, <laughs> he had some, you know, he had some relationships. Exactly. And so that was, that was the, th- the main thrust of this episode is learning more about Picard and learning more and about how, Picard. Well, and the well, world got the away, thing, and, you know, mm-hmm. you uh, and again, because, more because Troy confronted her oh, too. About her feelings, because she's like, you seem to be acting a little weird. Troy, uh, oh, to be <laughs> Troy with Deanna's powers. Oh, I wish I could have Troy's powers because she's like, Beverly, what is up? Your emotions are off the charts, girl. What is happening? And Beverly's like, oh, fine. Maybe I have feelings for Picard. Don't ever tell anyone. <laughs> um, but also, you know, we get to see again. Um, the extent of the holodeck because the holodeck recreates this cafe that they were supposed to meet at and picard does a very nice thing where he takes genies to that cafe in holodeck paris and gives her a proper goodbye which mm-hmm. good i wish i which... i wish all the men who ghosted me would do that but <laughs> here's and and here's the thing about this holodeck program this is one of the few times that i relate to picard 
because if I you had the holodeck, a woman. <laughs> well, that too. Uh, but <laughs> if I had a holodeck, this is the kind of program that I would, this is what I would do. You know, mm. I would, I would be in Paris. It's my favorite city. It's, you know, just terrific. I would, I would, you know, computer Paris. Well, and for Jean-Luc, mm -hmm. it's his home, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. it is, of course, he'd always be there. Um, the menu at the cafe includes such delicacies as croissants de lithium, Klingon targ a la mode, triples yeah. donsless blankets, and l'antimatter flambe. I'll take that. <laughs> this episode was also affected by the writer's strike of 1988, with the result that filming had to be shut down while the show's ending was written. Oh, okay. Yeah crazy how it was so complicated and yet it was affected by the writer's strike oh, we let we let scientists take over and that was our problem <laughs> yep. don't make my star trek so sciencey i'm just a dum-dum <laughs> uh, or at least or at least dumb it down like riker demands you know, <laughs> you know. talk Data. to me like i'm riker <laughs> uh Moving on to conspiracy. After diverting to a secret meeting with an old friend and some Starfleet's finest commanders, Picard finds the Horatio blown to bits just hours after the meeting, and he returns to the inter returns the Enterprise to Earth looking for answers. Um, this uh, a very a very sneaky, suspicious episode. So Picard meets up with his cap with his friend Captain Keel via a top secret frequency. And Keel is like, yo, we gotta meet in person because mm -hmm. even though this is secure, it's not secure enough. We have to meet in person. So uh Picard goes to this planet where he meets his friend and two other people. And they greet each other with a series of very personal questions, which I think we should all personally establish, right? Like, how do I know that you're really you? Oh, okay. I mm. just can't, because what if we ever get Freaky Friday? Hmm. Okay. Well, we'll have to, let's make, let's make this on uh, the next Patreon content that we do. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's lay yeah, out yeah, a series yeah. of questions that we can all ask each other to make sure that we're not, mm -hmm. we're not duplicates or taken over. <laughs> I think I think it's a good idea. I've seen enough Freaky mm -hmm. Friday stories. Um, there's a vague innuendo about a plot to take over strategic sectors of the Federation by replacing mysteriously killed Starfleet officers. And this doesn't quite impress Picard. Um, Picard uh, leaves, but then immediately after leaving, everybody that he's just met on the super secret planet uh, has exploded and died in an explosion. Um be coincidence <laughs> <laughs> one of the guys that picard was talking to on the planet had spoken about a change in behavior of the top admirals at starfleet um and they were always accompanied by a loss of memory um and this these deaths actually impact picard very hard and he takes deanna and riker into confidence and he also tells mm -hmm. riker about admiral quinn from coming of age a couple of episodes ago about his uneasiness um for when he offered him a job at starfleet academy yes um so Picard asks Data to analyze all Starfleet commands in the last few months for any abnormal patterns. He finds a cluster of star bases and outposts where command personnel have been changed recently, and the new folks have the new folks have spoken directly to the highest levels of Starfleet command at a high, high frequency. Um, the purpose of these reassignments is to control vital sections of Federation territory. So Picard's like, okay, something's mm -hmm. up. We got to go back to Earth. We got to go to HQ. We got to go to HQ back on earth and we will talk to um a bunch of other, other admirals and dexter remick who we also had accompanied quinn in that previous episode coming of age and who was like oh i would also love to work on the enterprise that sounds dope mm -hmm. so admiral quinn comes on board prior to the proposed dinner and brings on board in a box an alien parasitic creature picard is like "Ooh, ooh, i don't know about this and P quinn says picard misunderstands and he was simply talking about issues with assimilating the new species into the federation oh, this, whole this whole situation <laughs> picard is like whoop, whoop, whoop. we got red flags uh my sirens are uh, you, you know Jean, you know jean luc these uh slug people they really <laughs> like to ride on people's shoulders do you mind i promise they're so trouble. cool <laughs> he's gonna love it just let you know take 
So Picard beams down to Earth for the dinner, but he asks Riker to keep an eye on Quinn and get him into a medical exam. Riker does so, but Quinn, old man, <laughs> attacks the hell out of Riker, throws him across the room, does mm -hmm. an incredible high kick, and yes. Riker is down for the count. And then also he attacks Jordy and Worf. Um, Beverly, Queen Beverly, subdues him with phasers. And she discovers evidence of an alien parasite nested on Quinn's brain. Um, the parasite also cannot be removed without killing the host. And the, you can tell that somebody has been affected by this parasite because um, there's a small gill yep. protruding through the host's neck. Um, and if you're infected, I, I kind of wish we had something like that for COVID. Uh, so Beverly <laughs> sends that information to Picard. And um, Picard at the dinner is like, Ooh. oh, ooh, they're eating bowls <laughs> of mealworms. And he's like, that doesn't seem right. Uh, and uh, Riker walks in too and uh oh my man my man's got got he is acting weird he you can tell he's been um assimilated by these parasite creatures but it was all an illusion as uh they faked they faked the gill uh, to make Riker look like he was infected but really he was just being a sneaky boy <laughs> and it turns out our friend Remick from coming of age who wanted to work on the enterprise he was behind this whole thing uh all the alien parasites get into him and uh they f so picard fires on him and they find the parasite mother nested inside his body and picard and Riker kill it and cue the most incredible destruction <laughs> sequence i think you've probably ever seen on tv really similar to the face melt from ark of the covenant just mm -hmm. like i di i didn't know you could show almost that stuff on tv in the 80s it they was almost did. insane they... yeah they almost didn't it was very close um, turns out Remick was working on sending a homing beacon to an uncharted section of the galaxy, meaning there is just a whole planet of these creatures out there. Um, yeah. So they were, but they were mind control bugs and they were yeah. getting ready so to take over the in, Federation. In a DS9 and, uh, novel, you know, as, as it picks back up. You, yes. Oh, oh, wait, wait. I, yes, I have true. Oh, oh, really? So it turns out. It turns out that, that yeah, I drop it, it was, baby. I think the novel is called Unity. Um, there's a, again, again, Rick and um, people <laughs> acting weird in Starfleet, and they're like, uh, "What's going on here?" And they're they're showing up on DS9, and it turns out that one something we hadn't a race we hadn't learned about yet in Next Gen, the Trill, cannot be affected by this because the parasites. Or variant trill oh, really? offshoots, the symbionts offshoots. Oh, you know what? That oh, so makes like sense. Like the Romulans like and the, the Romulans, Vulcans, but like of, the, the trill symbionts kind of and these things yeah. are distantly related, like general, like oh. hundreds of thousands of years back. That makes sense. How uh, how much do you know about the trills, Rebecca? Nope. Wait, that, we that, have that, I'm going to get there. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, so they yeah. do show up yeah. again, <laughs> and they were doing the whole uh, conspiracy thing, like, we're, we're taking over. And, and it's basically like, can't we just coexist peacefully? They're like, no. No, we can't. No. No. no we're the evil space <laughs> slugs, and uh, we're taking over. Yeah. So. I, I just read well, the, actually I just read that book that's last cool. year, like so I was just that. like, "Oh, wait a minute, that sounds familiar." Said, yeah. Should I? No, should no, I don't. not Google the trill? Don't do it. You can if you don't want, but I would wait <laughs> if I were you because. Okay. 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 Because okay, it's okay, such okay. a great character. Anyway, uh, oh. now my uh, now this uh, this uh, this episode reminded me of a of a long forgotten movie, a favorite of mine from 1988, called Brain Damage which is the story of a slug that lives on this guy's back and and controls him with drugs. This is a combination of many episodes here. Huh. Uh, yeah. it, and his name is Almer, is his name. And Almer is like, hey, Brian, why don't you put me up on your shoulder? Let me, uh, let me just take care of that for you, Brian. 
I'm telling you guys, the Ronald Reagan era of America is what started oh, oh. the downfall of the Tell United States. <laughs> he, is anyway. not, he is not St. Reagan. Nope. No, he, no. Um, some Those who for think conspiracy. he is weren't alive then and weren't, weren't <laughs> like I was, just out of high school, learning to be a punk and rebellious little... Anyway. <laughs> Do drugs, you say? Anyway, uh, some close-up <laughs> shots of the Starfleet HQ banquet were live mealworms. The actors really ate chow mein. Oh, uh, delicious chow mein. Although, although Jonathan Frakes did say that some mealworms did cross his lips, whether or not he ate them is to but be But he faked them out so beautifully. He was just, he was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> An episode of Fear Factor is what that was. Uh, this episode marks the first appearance of a Bolian, a blue-skinned race named after Star Trek veteran director Cliff Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene Roddenberry originated the idea for the episode in a single-sentence proposal entitled The Assassins. Robert Severoff expanded these, this idea into 30 pages, but his version was seen as too expensive. Tracy Torme, who... R.I.P. We had just recently... We just talked about him when he had mm-hmm. just passed away. So crazy. Yes. Um, Tracy Torme... Yeah, was given the job of rewriting it, but some producers thought the new version was too dark until Roddenberry saw it and endorsed the new version. Um, this was initially to be the introduction of the Borg. They would have been using the creatures to take control of the Federation, and the hmm. writer's strike made this impossible. Oh, wow. Yeah. This, this was better. Uh, that, uh, yeah, you don't want to introduce the Borg this way, I don't think. No. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know nothing about the Borg, but um, especially considering this next episode that we're going to talk about. Don't go introducing the Borg right now. Um, and lastly, a mold of Paul Newman's face was filled with raw meat and then blown up to create the effect used when Picard and Riker fire on Remick. But both Rick Berman and Peter Lauritsen were concerned that it was too graphic. Dan Curry invited his six-year-old son to watch the episode in order to test how children would react to it. The boy reportedly liked it so much that he suggested the creation of a Remick action figure whose head would blow up by pressing a button. This resulted in Berman deciding to air the episode uncut with a full sequence included. <laughs> Carrie, do you have this toy? Yeah, I wish it existed. <laughs> I wish it existed. It did not uh, get a chance to exist. Although I'll say this, Remick doesn't look anything like Paul Newman. But... Uh... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> on oh, the holodeck, you might not even close, but uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. But, um, uh, no, it was uh, it was fascinating to see that his whole body was slugs. I just got thinking about you know how the kids stack on top of each other with a raincoat and go to R rated movies. You know, if, mm-hmm. if I if I saw a three children in a trench coat trying to get into an R rated movie, I would just sell them the ticket. I mm-hmm. uh, that's an that's a lot of <laughs> anyway the neutral zone season finale season one the neutral zone while assigned to investigate missing outposts in the neutral zone the enterprise revives three cryogenically frozen people found aboard a wayward derelict earth vessel this episode has the potential to be so cool yes. it's the season one finale we're br- we're bringing in the Romulans mm-hmm. a-, a classic villain and instead we get a cheap ripoff of space seed but but well, with assholes but you with know? assholes you know what <laughs> i did i did make a comment um about uh some stories are just timeless karens are eternal you know yes. the, the <laughs> inclusion of a karen is timeless i, I love it because we got we got this uh, uh country singer <laughs> <laughs> who was just oh god it was painful anytime he spoke <laughs> We got the country singer. Then we got the uh, the woman who was uh, concerned about her family, and that was kind of a nice little storyline. Uh, yeah, but yeah. But then we got this hedge fund manager who you know I was need was, to check on my investments. You know, he he probably was checking on his investments on all the newspapers that he bought and turned them into you know right wing rags when he was <sighs> alive. You know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, all right so the enterprise is on its way to investigate some missing outposts in the neutral zone and they come across a vessel that has um cryogenically frozen people some of the pods are destroyed broken and those bodies decomposed but then they they find three people who are still alive without Mm -hmm. broken seals um they beam them back picard is like (laughs) 
fine if you insist. <laughs> I loved how put out he was about this rescue. It was just like, Data, oh, <laughs> Data is like, I think we should bring these people back. So. And Picard's yeah. like, <laughs> I know that Starfleet says when we encounter a distress signal, we have to go rescue people. Blah, like, blah, blah. This but was also such Picard. A, a, but it was so non-Picard to act that way, though. Anyway. I think he was stressed because... He think he so he because Picard tells everybody, hey, we think Romulans are are doing this. We think Romulans are attacking all these outposts that we're going mm-hmm. to investigate. So like guard guards up, keep make sure somebody's on your six. We might have Romulans. We might be in a Romulan fight. Um, they thaw the three people, and I did the math. Uh, this is all, this is also a very important episode in Star Trek lore as a whole because it is the first time uh, that they establish a year that they are in. And Data tells them that they are in what they would consider the year uh, 2364. And so everything else surrounding the Star Trek timeline is based off this episode. Um, So very, um, very historic moment in Star Trek lore. Uh, So I did the math. They were were frozen 370 years ago. These people were cryogenically frozen in the year 1994. So... The technology exists, I am told, to cryogenically freeze somebody. They did it to Austin Powers. (laughs) They did it to Disney. They did it to Disney. There are, I've seen, you know, documentaries and reports about this. There are still places, and Futurama for that matter, uh, there are still places that will cryogenically freeze you. And, you know, maybe we'll thaw you out someday. We don't know. There's a chance. But a lot of these places are getting shut down because they're full up. And, you know, how do you keep the fr- freezers on? I know frogs, frog's blood is essentially antifreeze. So, like, you can freeze a frog and then wake them up later. See, and, you know science. And, don't say that I you know don't a know little bit of, I know a little bit of science from a BuzzFeed <laughs> article. Ah. <laughs> so... Uh, they <laughs> revive them. They tell them like, "Hey, welcome to the future. You guys were sick, and now you're not. Isn't that so cool?" And me from my couch, who would pick immortality in a heartbeat, is going, <laughs> "Give me this. I want to be cryogenically frozen and woken up 370 years from now. How cool would that be?" I'd like to think that this guy is the only country singer alive now in the future. I'd like to think the country God. music. It's just kind of taken away over the years, you know, and, and he's like, you know, this new genre of music is born and it, it, I'm Ronnie and I'm the star of the, you know, but Grand I mean... Ole Opry. Yeah, the Grand Ole Opry for one. Here I am. Yeah, you know. Do you guys have Taylor Swift here in the future? So <laughs> Picard is like, Riker, I need you to babysit these guys. I cannot be bothered because... I got a Romulan situation. This is this is some serious original series episode vibes as well because same thing like when in Space Seed, same thing when they get uh, you know other people aboard the ship. Kirk is like, I need you to babysit these people and keep them away from me because I swear mm-hmm. to God I will throw them out the airlock. And so Riker is in charge of keeping the guests away from Picard. The Enterprise is about six hours away from the neutral zone, and there's no communications from any of the Federation outposts. And so we have no choice but to assume that they were destroyed by the Romulans. Um, Riker establishes that the Romulans have been out of touch for 53 years, ever since the Tomed incident, um, which we don't know nothing about quite yet. Uh, and so this is a ploy to fr- by the Romulans to see how far the Federation has advanced in technology and technique. Um and the Romulans will never initiate anything. They will wait for the Federation to make the first move. Mm-hmm. Um, one of these thawed hoity-toities demands to see Picard and says he has substantial investments on Earth and needs to contact his lawyers. Oh, that's nice. Mm. Uh, one, there's no money. Two, your lawyer's <laughs> dead. I, you know... I also love how how um, old white man of him to assume that oh. things have not changed and so. are indeed the same. Well, yeah, so that's when you, so, have, you so got three people privileged. in tubes in space <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, all white. I'm like, well, cryogenics is expensive apparently, and black folks don't rate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Because what? You got a singer. Could have been an R and B singer. No, no, got to be a country guy. No, I would have preferred that to this guy Ronnie or whatever his name was. Um. Well, even um the woman when she sees Worf, she faints because she's like space alien. I'm sorry. Am I allowed to say this? A black man on the on a spaceship. Yes, you're allowed to say that. <laughs> Things really are different. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> the Picard admonishes him for his materialistic ambitions and tells him to stay off the communications panel. He asks Deanna to control a sobbing Claire. Sonny wants drugs from Beverly, but she refuses to help him. And Deanna helps Claire trace back her history of her family after her death, which is exactly what I would do. The thing that Deanna and Claire are doing exactly what you should be doing seeing mm-hmm. what happened to your family yeah going back to the facebook archives in 2364 and seeing exactly what happened i would be spending years doing this um and then <laughs> yeah exactly and then sunny brings misogyny and sexism into this into the future and just tells beverly she's real pretty for a doctor and slaps her on the ass well he's a picking and he's a grinning you know ah, well he's and... straight he's straight from the cornfield and hee-haw of course he's gonna well, act and that way. they're telling him like hey any food you want any food you want this replicator can make it and he's like oh cool 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 uh oh cancel the order i just put in can i just have a martini with olives for the nutrition and (laughs) data is like that's unusual Hmm, how interesting uh okay so they get to the edge of the neutral zone the enterprise figures out that outpost delta 5 was not destroyed but it was scooped off the face of the planet um there are nine outposts and picard intends to inspect each one of them in a calm and orderly manner Mm-hmm. Ralph is mad that he doesn't know what's going on and barges in on the bridge. Um, <laughs> and this is also when the Romulans decloak. Huzzah! It is us! And Picard is trying to negotiate with the Romulans. Um, they Picard disregards all suggestions to transfer power to phasers or arm the torpedoes because that would be a little alarming. Uh, Worf is particularly against the Ro- the Romulans, who had attacked the Kitmer outpost, which resulted in the death of his parents. Yes. Um, let's see. Romulans the... are without honor. Yes, and yes, uh, the Romulan outposts on their side of the neutral zone have also been destroyed in the same way. Picard proposes a collaboration to find out what happened. Um, Tabak one of the Romulan commanders um, warns Picard that the Romulans have been absent for 50 years and the Federation has expanded, but they're back now, baby. Uh, and Picard arranges for the trio to be sent back to earth. The end. The end. <laughs> like introduction to, to an introduction to a, a, a next great villain. And we got bad space seed as a B plot, you know. Robert, please tell me that there was a book about the country singer and that I can't, he shows up later. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> dang it! Um, the some trivia for this episode in the writers and directors guide for the series, written by Jane Roddenberry prior to the first season, Romulans were covered by one of the main writing rules, which stated no stories about warfare with Klingons and Romulans, and no stories with Vulcans. We are determined not to copy ourselves, and believe there must be other interesting aliens in a galaxy filled with billions of stars and planets. Following the perceived failure of the Ferengi as the main villains of the next generation, yep. <laughs> uh, the Romulans became the main villains during the early years of the series. This was in addition to the Borg, um, yada, yada, yada. So I think it's so fascinating that Gene Roddenberry was like, no story about Klingons, no stories about Romulans, and no stories about Vulcans. And acknowledging that the universe is huge and surely there must be some other mm-hmm. stories we can tell. Love a self-aware guy not king, but then but... gene started coughing and uh, had to go home and that's when berman went hmm romulans and klingons yeah vulcans too let me think about that hmm. um also the subplot regarding the time displaced characters was added at the last minute after the cliffhanger angles to the plot had to be scaled back the subplot was based on a fan story written by deborah mcintyre and mona clee and it definitely felt like 
it it had extreme original series vibes, which I think comes across in a lot of fan stories that do get adapted into mm-hmm. actual Star Trek episodes. Makes sense, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's um, that's season one, baby. What do we think? No. Best season ever? No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, they. You could tell that they were finding their footing here. They're they're trying to find mm-hmm. their footing. And as I'm watching now, and we'll get to these episodes as I'm watching season two. I'm much more well pleased with season two. Uh, it's like they go, oh, there, okay, now we got it. This but is it's not where just that the goes. actors I get either. It. Yeah. So I gotcha. think that you know you're gonna see. Yeah, it's not just the, the actors. Bit, yeah. It's the it's the, the writers, the the entire situation. Yeah. But yeah, the, yeah. The, but the actors are starting to get more comfortable in their parts, and they're not uh, oh, acting as much anymore. They, you know, they're having real conversations with each. Yeah, except for Picard, he'll he'll be <laughs> he'll be stage acting for the first three seasons, and then figure it out and bring it down. But uh, it's all that royal yeah. Shakespeare that he had to go through. Well, he even was. Well, I know I've told this story a bajillion times about how he had to sit the cast down and be like, "We need to be more serious about this," and they just laughed him out of the room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And eventually, he does. He loosens up, um, and I'm excited to get to those episodes where he loosens up. He he lo- was loosened up in what episode was it? Conspiracy, where he was fencing and he had his sexy fencing outfit on with his with the deep V. Um, but anyway, next episode, we're moving on uh, to season two, which has one of my favorite episodes that I've seen so far. <laughs> so we'll talk about the child where silence has lease elementary dear data, the outrageous Akona and loud as a whisper. I love when these have wild titles, for the, especially <laughs> like original series had, is perfected this. But like yes. where silence has lease. Mwah. Be, that's just, an original series title just beautiful yeah. titles um but uh until then thank you for joining us as we talk about season one of next generation we'll join you next week for season two and until then we will keep going where no man has gone before but a lot of people have gone before thanks everyone i can't oh okay <laughs>